0: Please leave a message after the tone. I have parents who love me. I have brothers who care about me. And uh, I was sitting with a friend who had a family who was abusive, and uh, he was left broken and hurting. I remember sitting across the table and saying to him, You know, I was given this gift, this family that loves me and, and showed me a good way to live. And I need to share that gift with people who don't have it. And so I I just feel this strong sort of pull to to care for families who haven't experienced the love, the uh, encouragement, and the faithfulness that I did as I grew up.
1: Reconciliation.
0: What does this mean to you? This is the Journey with Care podcast where we navigate honest conversations about faith, culture, and loving our neighbors. I'm the host, Melvina Gabosh, and I am an Indigenous lover of Jesus. Well, welcome back to the Journey with Care podcast. This is not Melvina, this is Wendy Park. I'm the Executive Director with Care Impact. Sitting in for Melvina while she is traveling with her family, isn't it a wonderful summer holidays? I hope you have all enjoyed your time together and we're just happy that Melvina is getting to do the same with her family, but I'm excited to introduce you to Tim. Uh, Normally, we have been having in-person conversations, so you're talking from your study in Greenwich, right? Greenwich. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm here in Winnipeg, so you got a little bit of that studio over internet feel here, (laughs) but hopefully this is going to work okay. Tim Smith, where are you from, Tim? And tell us a little bit where you're at.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. Well, I'm from Ottawa, originally, uh, born and raised in Ottawa, Canada, and my mom's from the US. And so I do have that dual citizenship. So I'm from a few places and then have lived a few places in the world, married to my wife, Galina, who's from Russia. And uh, we've spent some time in in a few countries, uh, both together and in our travels before we met each other.
0: Yeah. Do you remember, uh, we have an interesting story of how Tim and Galena, a wonderful couple, and you have two children, how we met. Can you share a little bit about how we, by chance, I think it was a godsend. I would say, um, how we came into contact?
1: Yeah. Yeah. God writes some pretty cool stories. So uh, Galena, my wife and I, we met first in Thailand. And it was actually on a trip back to Thailand, connecting with some of the folks we'd worked with in ministry there that we met up again with an individual uh, that we knew from Youth With a Mission or YWAM, the organization that we worked in several countries together with and also before we met each other. And we met up with this YWAM leader, this individual and asked her, Barbara, where is, you know, that sort of direction that God is leading, the cutting edge of ministry to children and youth in the world. And as she shared, she also said, you need to connect with this couple in Canada. Uh, Their names are Wendy and Harold Park.
0: And we knew Barbara. We had been meeting for a a couple times already, part of a global network of Christian leaders. And that was really neat that you knew Barbara as well, who knew that God would connect through somebody from Switzerland. And in my inbox, I got this email one time from you and I'm like, Tim and Galena, I got a newsletter actually, as if you were a long lost friend, but I had never heard of you. <laughs> and I read it and I was intrigued because you, in that email, you said, God, it gave you a calling for Canada. Do you re- remember sending that to me, and me? I
1: remember the fact that it got sent, but I didn't remember actually sending it because what happened is we collected the email address, this Wendy and Harold Park that we should meet. Mm -hmm. put it into our email uh, system and accidentally they got our monthly update newsletter.
0: And I think I called you uh, right away because I was excited. We were just starting off as uh, Care Impact Forever Families at the time. And we were doing a lot of research and development. Who's doing what? And it intrigued me. So I remember getting on the phone with, uh, I think, Alina at the time and striking up a conversation. And I said, hey, do you want to come to Winnipeg in a few weeks? We're doing this Belong Summit you should come. And you guys came. That it was wonderful. That was a start to a
1: beautiful story and it's still, <laughs> uh, still unraveling, still, still writing the story. But I remember being very impacted yeah. very positively. We've been working in Canada for about four years and our work was directed at building bridges for youth at risk of homelessness in our area here in Nova Scotia. I hadn't mentioned, I don't think that we're living here in Nova Scotia on the East coast of Canada. And so we have been about four years here, then went back to Thailand and asked that question But the sense that we got coming to the Belong Summit was this reality that, wow, there is a movement that's not just in our corner of one province in Canada, but that is national. And we got really excited.
0: Yeah. And we're better together. And so you and Galena shortly after started joining our team. It was just Harold and myself at the time and a few students. And you were our first staff members on the team, but you've continued to have that relationship with YWAM. And that's one of the things I love about our team at Care Impact, that we don't all have to be of one organization. We collaborate and you 100% work with us for sure, but you're still very much tied in with YWAM, which which is a beautiful collaboration.
1: Yeah, we say we, when people ask us, yeah, well, we're still with YWAM and we give 100% of our time right now or close to 100% of our time to uh, to working with Care Impact. So.
0: Yeah. So uh, for our listeners, tell me a little bit about your role with Care Impact and what makes you passionate about uh, working on the team? What's your role?
1: Yeah, well, as you say, our story goes some years back and there's been this journey on a personal end of God, what are you calling us to in practice? So you've called us to children and youth uh, and families. God, you've connected us with this Wendy and Harold and and this national movement, which we see as an expression of this global movement that we were seeing and feeling and being part of parts of it in other parts of the world like we mentioned Thailand and other countries before that as well but this excitement to be part of the context that was my formational years my first 20 years of my life I lived here in Canada and to be able to contribute to this community is is exciting and it's been this discovery of what is it that you've specifically uh, gifted us for and my brother mentioned the other day he said Tim I really see you've been coming alive in this this aspect of of who you are that you love to you have to think and work through kind of real real subjects at a deep level. You love to do. I'm a doer. I love to practically do things. So I love being able to serve people in a practical way. But this informing the care that I give and being able to to offer that to other people, the, that what we like to call equipping and what we do as care impact has really been sort of that other half of who I am. I've I've loved to I I I didn't used to like to sit and read books unless, unless the content directly applied to stuff I was doing. So I would read about skiing, I'd read about surfing, I'd read about stuff I loved, read about the ocean. I love to love the ocean and love to dive into the ocean. I spent a couple of years teaching kids about what's going on in the ocean. And I read because I loved it. And that's where I find I'm digging in now and being able to turn around and offer what I'm learning or that that learning journey I'm on to others and say, hey, come on a journey with me and discover where they are at. And I usually find almost every time there's a lot more coming my way than there is going from me outwards because I join their learning journey. I join the other person's learning journey. So I I love the fact that I I get to share what what I'm learning, but that I get to learn together as a Canadian uh, in my Canadian community. How do we care well for those who are from hard places?
0: Yeah, and so for those of you that are new to Care Impact, you may have heard of the care portal that we're activating in different cities that is allowing churches to respond to the practical needs that are being identified by agencies and, and frontline workers, uh, ministries, uh, and that we're seeing the church in action. But the other piece is, as we have been activating different cities and encouraging the church to rise up into these spaces to work alongside uh, those that are in social services, We've also said we need to also equip the church to succeed. And that's what Tim is referring referring to here, right, Tim? Mm -hmm. And you have started, you and uh, Galena have both been uh, trained professionally and certified in trauma care. So you are trauma care trainers. And over the last year, I would agree with your brother. I have seen you come alive and alive, more alive as the years have come about. And you are now the academy director. And so what's that shift been like? And what, what's your vision for the academy piece in equipping the church? As an academy director, what's your vision for that?
1: Yeah. And Wendy, uh, to go back a tiny bit, and I'll jump right into that question, when we were learning about who Wendy and Harold Park were, and that we should connect with them, it was that same season, we were learning about this thing called trauma-informed care. And I don't know if that concept or the idea that there is this thing you can get trained in how to care for people with this lens of understanding trauma and how it impacts people I, I don't know if that was sort of there in the background for me it certainly wasn't language i had and we were introduced at the same time in that same trip to thailand to this to this topic and once we started it was like a snowball it was realizing man how did i not know these things before in my engagement with children and youth and families in various parts of the world and i began to reflect on practices that i had engaged in myself and the teams i was on had engaged in and I, I just realized like how do i not know this and so that's that's really been a driving factor at a very personal level so that is part of my the answer to my question you know what what is it to be the academy director i just i find that there are topics that can be like being trauma informed that are sort of by words and, and we're talking about, but what does it actually mean in practice in what I actually engage in, in the community, in my life, in my lifestyle, in my relationships with my neighbors and in the ministries that I work as a, a participant in the ministry or, or a leader? How does you know being a trauma informed actually apply at the community level? And that's really where we, we leveled the training with our academy. So that's where I get excited. And we have four learning streams. I'll introduce those in, in a moment, I'm sure, in our in our conversation here, Wendy. But leading the academy, it's, it's been a year. And you probably remember, Wendy, last year, we were sitting with this, you know what, we're all kind of holding bits and pieces of this thing. But as we ask God, what are you calling us to as care impact? It was very clearly two pillars, connecting and equipping. And we said, if we don't have somebody leading the equipping piece, I don't think we're honoring that as a core pillar. One of the two core pillars of who we are. And so I kind of initially was a little reticent to to step up and put my hand up and say, I'll take the role. Do you feel we tricked
0: you into it? Because we said <laughs> interim. But
1: you did That's so well true. that we
0: quickly dropped the interim shortly after. And and you came alive though too. I'm not gonna take all the blame, but but we did interim and then you just ran with it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And the backstory to that, I mean, there's obviously a backstory that goes back even further, I'm sure. But, um, but the two years before that, so ending last summer, I was just completing a two-year uh, master's program with Youth with a Mission, with the university, their university, University of the Nations, and and I realized as I reflect back over this year, Wendy, is that that was preparing me for for this role in a practical way, but also in a heart way, where I was understanding when I was doing my own research and writing a thesis. It's, this is so important. Somebody needs to dig into these things, surface them, make them really practical and share them. And I, I actually, my research in my master's, I was looking at trauma-informed care and aspects of how that touches the way we care as Canadians specifically as specifically as Christians here in Canada for each other at the community level. And so it was very natural to ask that question, well, would I be willing to lead something? In many ways, I didn't feel equipped. And in other ways, God said, no, I, I've been working this for a while, or care impact. I've also been working this for a while. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in it for the interim, however long an interim is, Wendy.
0: <laughs> we've dropped the word, Tim. We've dropped the word. But we've talked a bit about trauma and trauma care. But can you tell us what the other three learning streams you teased out a little bit earlier What are the other three learning streams?
1: Yeah, I find there's such a natural flow between the four. You could almost talk about one and you're talking about the other three, but we definitely have clear cut what God has put on our heart, what we found in our practice as Canadian Christians, we need to be sitting in these four, four streams. So understanding poverty is another one of our streams. So not just understanding like the trauma, what does it look like and how does that evidence in our communities, but what's going on inside us, uh, what's going on inside our relationships in the community with those who are experiencing poverty. Those who are experiencing poverty worldwide, there's research that's been done and they actually use relational language when they talk about their poverty, even when it's material poverty. And so we talk about, in all the work we do, including like we're just talking about trauma care, we talk about relational poverty, really being at the core of all of the other types of poverty we might see or experience in ourselves or in our community. And they're, in a sense, symptoms. So In our training, understanding poverty, we're talking about how as communities do we do we get back together and see, you know, that bed surface, not because we have a lack of beds in the community, but we have a lack of connection and relationship. How does that bed get to go where it needs to be? Because we have the bed. So understanding poverty is one of those we sit with. And a caveat as I jump into the other two um, that I haven't mentioned yet is we don't seek to reinvent the wheel. We don't try to become trainers of all this content, but actually partner with, which is an outcome of this understanding that the core is relational poverty, right? Go
0: Food for the Hungry Canada and Cope think tank in the US. Like there's some great people doing great things with poverty and we've been able to tailor it to uh, child welfare Canadian content for the church. What I love about the Academy right from the start, it's been very intentional about bringing high-level learning, but down to a community level, very practical level. Not only that, I had to go to my master's to learn some of the things that some people are getting in 90 minutes, it's distilled mm-hmm. into something so practical. But not only that, but what I love about the the courses that you are putting out in partnership with others across Canada is that it integrates faith with social justice it's not one or the other it's not some flavor or some extreme type of thing that people have to be shy in a way to no, as we live out our faith Mm -hmm. how do we view poverty how do we understand how jesus asks us to respond to the people in our neighborhood in a way that is helping and not hurting
1: but right sorry
0: i i could go on a tangent but let's go on number three and four what are the other two streams
1: Yeah, beautiful. So so trauma care, understanding poverty, and then culture and reconciliation. And we recognize if we want to engage as a church in the space of child welfare, 52%, according to the 2016 statistics that were done, we're going to have some more coming out soon, I'm sure. um, But 52% of the kids in care, kids and youth in care in Canada are Indigenous. So Indigenous yeah. Canadians or Indigenous.
0: 90 in Manitoba, where I live.
1: It's crazy. 80 or 90 in Manitoba. There you go. But the
0: national average is right.
1: The national average is 52%. And it's 1%, less than 1% of the population that actually are comprised of Indigenous young people. And so, so it's,
0: it's interesting that we've kept that in there. And I, I feel very strongly about keeping it in there. Even just the disproportionality that you are mentioning. But I remember... Early on, before we even had charitable status, seeking out the counsel of other Canadians across the nation and when we were traveling. And people, non-Indigenous people, that I respect and look up to, distinctly telling me, well, if you're going to deal with the church and child welfare, just don't go into the Indigenous reconciliation stuff because that just gets messy. The churches don't want to hear about that. How have you experienced transformation within the church as you've introduced this? Because we're certainly not hitting the church over the head and shaming the church, but there is need for growth in that. So what's your experience been with that?
1: Well, you know, super recent, an email today, Wendy, just came in, haven't even told you about it, but somebody from our Trauma Care Masterclass that we offered in the spring was responding saying, you know what, the Trauma Care Masterclass was really good, but I just remembered, I wanted to tell you that I think you should incorporate elements of reconciliation and mm-hmm. um, and looking at, you know, the Indigenous history in your trauma care course, because I think that's so important for Canada. So wow. we're seeing that as Canadians, uh, of course, you know, with the uncovering of the graves of the children, yeah. I think Resident that's a better stories. term than discovery mm-hmm. because they were there and it was known yeah. that they were there, but the uncovering of them, Um, has brought this to a level where we are kind of forced to talk about it but when you like you say i've appreciated over the last few years you know and and even you know when we first met you talking about hey let's just bring the skeletons out of the closet and mm-hmm. like any relationship, when we actually are able to talk about the elephant in the room and say, there's an elephant, the elephant for one shrinks, but it, it, it becomes what it really <laughs> is, Yeah. right? Because otherwise it's just engulfing everything. And yet none of us are acknowledging that it's affecting everything, but it becomes what it is. Now we can work with it. And this is a huge elephant. It really is. And yet we can work through it relationship by relationship because we acknowledge it. And so we see that, don't we, Wendy, with social services. Yeah. And inside the church, there are people, there, there are many Indigenous people who are part of the church in Canada.
0: I'm so grateful for Melvina's leadership uh, on this podcast because she's connecting us to so many strong believers within the Indigenous communities. Just met them recently at a, a large national conference that they were hosting, and it was just amazing. But those worlds don't connect often. And so mm-hmm. here we are, two white people. But we're not off the hook, right? And yep. reconciliation is for us and the church capital C to work with, with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. And so I'm
1: mm-hmm. so glad
0: that you've continued to honor that, bring people into sharing their stories. We're not the ones telling people how to, to learn. We're just bringing people into those, um, mm-hmm. that learning stream. And what is the, the fourth learning stream?
1: Yeah, the fourth learning stream is is healthy collaboration. So in the diversity that we represent as Canada and in the diversity and the minority and majority expressions of those who are caring and cared for, as we're just talking about in Canada, there is a reality that it's not just going to be, oh, let's, you know, take a walk in the park. There's reasons why we have not been working together and we need to look at this question of how do we work together amongst that diversity? That we that we are. Actually, my master sat in that area of mm-hmm. being Christians and, and actively engaging in our communities in ways that care for others. How do we lead in unity amongst the diversity that we express? And one of the things we dove straight into was looking at the Trinity. So God himself is a relationship. He's diverse within himself, and yet he operates in complete unity. And he says it's actually by mm-hmm. your unity in John 17 that it's going to be known that you're my followers and the ones that I've sent to share the good news about who I am with the world. And if we don't walk, if we don't actually live and act in real terms in unity together as the church, we don't get seen for who we are. So there's there's that question of, well, you know, the church is sort of being sidelined and and especially in this area of child welfare, right? Well, the church is just kind of over there and, you know, they're not really relevant. And well, the question is, are, are we showing togetherness and not just in a kumbaya, which is beautiful to sing wonderful things together, but but what does it look like when we walk out into the community? How are we engaging the rest of the community?
0: And that's why I'm excited as they're able to take that kind of training and, and have those dialogues. The care portal that we're offering in in several cities now is actually presenting those opportunities. And what one of the beautiful things is not that Close to 600 kids have been served already over this short period through the pandemic. Who knew? Yes, that's important. A lot of families were served and supported and cared for by the church in a relational and tangible way. What I love, though, and what I've heard a lot from pastors and leaders within churches is that within their own cities now, the Baptists are working with the Pentecostals and the Mennonites and the the non-denomination Charismatics, and there's a there's this togetherness that one has the crib, one has the has the neighborhood and it's in there down the street and another person has the right boots for this child and together they're Mm. able to serve children and families and it's doing far more than solely serving children and families but it doesn't come natural we're fooling Mm. ourselves if it comes natural we need to put some intentionality around that because um, we can get caught up in our our silos right Mm. I would love to hear more about this trauma. One, because there's something exciting that everybody needs to put on their calendar. And this is a heads up for, for people that are wanting to dive in with us through trauma care. Let's talk about trauma. I know it's a buzzword out there, trauma care coming through the pandemic. Everybody's talking about trauma, this trauma, that. Some might say it's overused that nowadays everybody's considered <laughs> having dealing with trauma, although evidence would support that most of us are dealing with some forms of trauma. I would argue, though, that it's vastly misunderstood. I don't know if you agree with that, but can Mm. you tell us in your understanding, what do we mean when we talk about trauma?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's super important to define a key term like that, That, like you're saying, Wendy, we toss around in our society. When I was doing my master's research, I was looking into, okay, what's available in Canada in terms of trauma-informed care training? But I began to find, was even at the government level, because the government has certain trainings and they mandate it in, in certain sectors. But what I was finding with that training, and then not just from my own idea about it, but from feedback from participants of this training is that it's understanding, okay, what is trauma and how do I identify trauma? But the care piece is is largely missing. There's, you know, educators saying, hey, like I, I wish I could go to trainings that would give me that. But I I haven't had that. I, I I had, you know, a very short amount of time in university that equipped me to even understand what trauma is and how to identify that there's trauma, perhaps, in this individual that I'm engaging with. But what do I do now is that question that is largely lacking in what's being delivered in training. So that's part of the reason why we run with Trauma Care Training. But the definition, to jump back to your direct question some have defined it in this simple way. Some of the the key researchers in this area of trauma and how it affects humans and human development. So trauma is defined as a negative experience that overwhelms a person's capacity to cope. So it can be a lot of different things. And then
0: again, I want to, I want to process that.
1: Okay. So a negative experience that overwhelms a person's capacity to cope Hmm. and it can be either. So three different options. Uh, at least. Research is is ongoing on this, but it can be acute. So it's that one-time single event, something traumatic happens. It's a big loss. It's an injury. It's an accident, that kind of thing. Chronic is a repeated situation, which we often would think maybe of of abuse that's going on in a relationship. And then there's complex developmental trauma. So this kind of is the big punch. And what's very interesting is to look at, I'll, I'll say what is complex developmental trauma in a second, but the WHO, the World Health Organization, actually says that, that about 50 to 60, depends on where you are in the world, but 50 to 60, here in Canada, it's between 52 and 68% of kids experience violence, which they equate to be trauma every year. Mm. So complex developmental trauma is looking at how does trauma impact children at a young level? And this includes in utero in the first years of life, especially the first five. So it's chronic interpersonal, early, as I just said, and adverse experiences, and they occur in a child's caregiving system. So it's somebody close to the child, it's early in their life, and it's chronic, and it's in that relationship, it's an adverse experience. And so that is one of the things we really dive into our training, because when we look at things like there's an adverse childhood experience survey, the ACE survey, we also look at the positive childhood experience, the PCE survey as a balance to that, because how on earth are so many humans doing so well if there's so many kids that have experienced so much trauma? It's because we we experience both positive and negative. But when they do the ACE survey, it's shocking how many people. There's 10 different adverse childhood experiences that they track, and the majority of the population has experienced at least one. And mm. half the population has experienced multiple like beyond what they think is is healthy, you know, to be able to function so, at all. So what
0: do we do with that? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting in the pew saying, God has called me to love my neighbor. And though, those statistics are, are a little bit overwhelming mm-hmm. in itself. But what do I do with that? Like, how do I love my neighbor that has gone through, through trauma? Like, I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here. Isn't it? Enough to just love on them and make sure all their needs are met. And how should a church respond to something yeah, like well,
1: that? Yeah, well, I'm going to quote Bessel van der Kolk, who's one of the leading researchers in understanding trauma. And Bessel, he says, he says this. He says that trauma is not the story of something that happened back then. It's actually the current imprint of that pain and that fear living inside people right now in the present. Right. I added a couple of words to his quote. Right now in the present, it just to hit home. It's it's happening right now. That is challenging, but it also gives hope, Wendy, because if it's happening right now, we can engage the right now. I can't go back right. 10 years. I can't go back to someone's childhood, but I can engage right now. And to pick up one key uh, word from his quote there, that pain and that fear living inside people. One of the primary things we look at in trauma-informed care is how do we create a place of felt safety? This is mm-hmm. safety, not that I know the child or the young person or the adult that used to be a child is safe i know they're safe in my program i know they're safe in my church i know they're safe you know in my space in my presence they don't so how do i ask those questions to go deeper and find what helps this person so it's it's literally building a relationship it's that dissolving relational poverty asking those questions and and seeking to be you know a detective in a sense to to figure out how do i promote felt safety for this individual. And it happens one person at a time. We can't just have a blanket program. Oh, we, we promote felt safety for everyone here. That'd be great, (laughs) except that we've all experienced and are experiencing our traumas in different ways. So the fact that it's in the present is I find an invitation a hope. And these researchers that are studying trauma have incredible amounts of hope. And what I love, Wendy, is that the Bible and science are so in agreement right now Uh, on so many points that there's hope for healing. There absolutely is hope for healing, but this is the caveat. It only happens in relationship when the hurt has happened in relationship. So that felt safety is what builds a bridge to trust. And when trust is built in the relationship, there's actual genuine connection. And it's in connection the healing happens.
0: Mm, So, so good. Yeah, and I I haven't shared a ton on on the podcast for, for just privacy reasons, but of my family and the children God has blessed me with me and my husband with but i can personally vouch for as we've been experiencing church and, and wanting to be part of church life that i think a lot of churches want to be caring want to have that safety of course it's safe and we're loving and we're the friendly church right and we've got we we welcome you we welcome everybody and but i can personally say that it's it's challenging for those navigating trauma as a mom and bear um, it's challenging for me to navigate trauma in, in a church setting because it isn't always safe. Mm-hmm. And people don't necessarily realize it, It's like that whole thing that we, we don't know what we don't know. And I, I don't think I'm overstating it that churches don't know what they don't know. They don't know how to bring healing or felt safety mm-hmm. into their programs and churches. And, and I don't think anybody's trying to be a jerk <laughs> or trying to be re-traumatizing or trying to create fear. But I think it's not just for the leader either. I think of just right down to the volunteers to youth programming and how we even set up our churches that there's so much Mm -hmm. involved and and it's not rocket science, but it's it's things you would do different if you knew. Right. And so I I think it's a challenge to the church if we really want to be loving, if we really want to be caring and being a place of safety and healing, we've got to come to the place of being in the student seat. And saying, I don't know what I don't know. And we don't have to come in even with the, the the answers, I don't think, but I think we have to be in a posture of listening. But I want to hear more about the trauma care mm-hmm. class that you're offering because this is, this is why it was created. Tell me the unique niche that you're doing with the trauma care masterclass, the introductory class. Can you tell us about it? It's coming up right around the corner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, one of one of the exciting ways that we get to share some of this content, we partner with, as we mentioned, with other organizations that create amazing training. Um, and so, on our team here in Canada, we have some training associates, we call them, uh, that are trained in trauma-competent caregiving. And that's through Trauma Free World. You can go to traumafreeworld.org and see what, what their training looks like. Uh, and they're based out of the States, but they've worked all over the world and various cultures are working right now. And so, Trauma-competent caregiving is a way of looking at how do we turn this idea of, of understanding trauma into practical things that we can incorporate in our daily lives at the community level. And particularly as the church, they have Faith Forward content, so we offer our trainings Faith Forward or faith neutral, we can do that depending on who we're offering the training to. The masterclass is something we've appreciated being able to offer. We're offering it online. We offered it in the spring and here it comes up again. October 6th is the start.
0: Mark your um, calendars, guys.
1: Yeah, on October 6th, you get to launch into a, a journey over eight weeks. And so there's seven sessions, uh stretches almost to nine weeks, I guess, but seven sessions that are in the evenings. We intentionally have done that assessing, okay, when, when are people most free especially if they're families or people who lead ministries, lead organizations, that kind of thing. But this course is designed at the community level for everyone to be able to engage. So evening sessions just for two hours. So it's two hours an evening, and we go through the nine modules of this trauma-competent caregiving. And we end with four hours together in a, in a very personal sort of connected way on a Saturday. And that's depending on your time zone, it flows from kind of mid-morning into, into early afternoon. So it's it's eight sessions in total. It makes up our masterclass.
0: We'll put the link in the show notes, but also if if people want to learn more about this or to register and, and check out the dates and everything, the content, they can go to careimpact.ca slash events, correct? That's right. Um, and you'll have both the introductory or the masterclass options. And the introductory is just that overlap with the masterclass, but the masterclass, come on guys, you really want the masterclass. It's really practical, but they're they're part of the same
1: program. Exactly. Yeah. So we do offer the first three sessions at a at a rate that is separate from uh, the masterclass. So you can just elect to do the first three and our participants that engaged that last time. We're very positive in feeling incorporated in, in the in the learning community. However, we had two people from the introductory class last time that decided, you know what, actually, I want to do the whole thing. So that might happen to you. You sign up. And we'll just figure out registration with you. We'll be able to apply what you've paid towards the introduction course to. So here I am already recruiting you into the next one. <laughs> but, um, but like a but. good
0: academy director, not an intern. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the, the introduction, it really, it really sinks into those first three modules are so practical, so key, and you'll take home things that that you can really do. Not just what they do offer is that laying the, the groundwork, the foundation of what is trauma how does it expose itself in our community? And, and how do I sit with this as a community member? Um, it does flow into practical as well. So
0: What I, what I like about it, I've gone through it numerous times. My husband is part of the trauma care uh, facilitation team. By the way, there's a team across Canada, all professionals, Christian professionals in a variety of contexts. They're practitioners, they're foster parents, adoptive parents, but also professors, therapists. They're just smart people, y'all. And yet they've all come together. It's a collective of smart Christian people that have done all the same training and certification for trauma care and are coming together and offering this class together. And I've come through it several times. What I like about it is that it is so practical. It helps you look into your own context. So as you're giving a definition of trauma, you're being able to hash out with other people. What am I looking at in my home? Or what am I looking at in my my children's programming what I often hear is looking behind the behavior. So any of you often coming with some behavioral issues or some challenging things that you just don't understand, looking at what do we do behind the behavior and how do we work with that to create a safe and and loving and place of healing? I learn something every time. So I, I look forward to this next round, <laughs> it's making me a better person. But who would you like ideally? You don't want just to see my face there every time. Tim, who else would you like to see? Who needs to be at this table learning together?
1: Yeah, great question, Wendy. I get excited when I see communities that have been engaging this kind of training, either this training directly, We're also some of us equipped in um, TBRI, or Mm Trust-Based Relational Intervention, which is kind of even more extensive in its scope and application. But that intervention is very practical, like trauma-competent caregiving. And there's communities in, in the U.S. that I love reading about where the entire communities from from justice to education to parents to the person serving in the cafeteria to the friends in the friend group around that child who's ex- experienced trauma all are are sharing a certain level of understanding and training it's
0: the whole village
1: <laughs> the whole village it's it's fascinating it takes a village it takes takes a village of people who are competent in their care and when we add we love to talk about how we add competence to our compassion. Our compassion drives competence. When we're compassionate, we're like, well, I need to know more. Like you're saying, Wendy, I need to know the needs behind this behavior. A uh, little spoiler for the for the masterclass or the introduction, if you're going to do it, we look at an iceberg, the iceberg model, and so the tip of the iceberg. Is the behavior that we're seeing, mm-hmm. either in ourselves or someone else, because it goes both ways, right? And yeah,
0: it triggers response in us, right? <laughs>
1: it always does, Wendy. Yeah. And and so that response isn't always as pretty as I thought it would be. I thought I'd respond in love, and then you know, I realize, ooh, I'm getting really, you know, heated here. There's a trigger for me here. I've experienced something that this is this is triggering for me. And so that that need behind the behavior, that reminder to look below the tip of the iceberg, we look for body brain, belief, and biology impact. So the body, brain, belief, and biology have been impacted by trauma, by adverse experiences. That's what's below the iceberg. And until we see change in those four areas, we can do whatever we want to shave away the behaviors at the top of the iceberg, and we're just gonna see like an iceberg, it's gonna bubble up on another side, right? And so that's one of the frustrations I think we get as caregivers, as community members. So who is this for? It really is for everyone, because we all interact with the behaviors of the people who have experienced trauma and that might be me, right? And so people are interacting with me yeah. in many settings in the community. So it's really everyone. It is, it is Wendy. It's the village. Yeah.
0: I, I was talking to a family justice judge for the state, uh, somewhere in the US. I was talking to her a couple of years ago, and she says, you know, the adage of it takes a village to raise a child. She says, I'd like to correct that and say it takes a competent village mm. to raise a child. People that don't know what they don't know, if they're not trauma informed, a lot of things can be can be somewhat damaging. So my question to you is what happens when churches or let's say camps or frontline serving ministries are not trauma informed? What does that look like when they're not trauma informed?
1: Well, yeah, Wendy, it's such a great question because I mean, I was there for many years. And and I feel like I still am often in my practice and I'm like, no, 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 Tim, you know better or you need to go and, and do some research because we can be so well-intentioned, but it doesn't come across that way. Like we talked about felt safety earlier, right? I've done everything. I have everybody police checked here. I have everything padded in here. I have all the toys. I have all the equipment. I have all the gear. And, and we've got a, an amazing kids program. But that kid who walks in starstruck, you know, is just thinking I am freaked out and I have no idea why. I don't even notice that he is mm-hmm. if I'm so focused on how amazing my program is. But if I begin to at least notice, okay, this kid's not engage- engaging, most of us get that far. We're like, okay, that kid's not engaging. But we shift from the bad kid in our program to bad behavior. And, and that shift is a big one for a lot of us where it's so easy to label, oh, there's that kid who's going to you know, ruin our program. I, I keep thinking about program, but really program or no program, we operate in community in these settings where we're integrated. As, as individuals in, in what we're doing together, right? And that one that interrupts, whether it's a child or an adult, doesn't matter. That one that interrupts, that one that kind of breaks the flow is often if we're thinking through the trauma-informed lens, reminding us, hey, let's look a little deeper here and let's look at making this a place of felt safety for everyone. And then we can begin to hear, Wendy, I, I did want to say earlier when you were saying about speaking out for your child, I want to highlight that because It's not just the individuals who are experiencing trauma that are part of contributing to that place that is a place of safety, felt safety and healing and then growth, because that's ultimately where we're going, right? It's the community around that individual and the programs I've read, you know, uh, multiple programs that have great success in this area of, of addressing trauma and seeing healing and then development address that question of who's in that person's circle. And it's actually letting them also speak into the situation. Cause so many of us in our programs are in, in churches, right? And I keep thinking about that programs in churches thing, but, but we have kids come in and they're kind of just out of the blue for us. Right. But how do we actually get to know the child and the community and the family yeah. they come from, get that background? Cause we we need to go below the surface and it's not just going to happen in one hour a week.
0: Yeah, no, that's so good. And and for any of our listeners that are saying, "Okay, well, I don't necessarily identify with trauma." I, I'm sure once you take the trauma care, you probably start seeing things. It's sort of like when you start shopping for red cars, suddenly there's red cars everywhere. Once you're informed, become more informed in trauma, you'd actually be able to recognize it much more readily around you, but not in a way of like trying to point out all the bad around you, but actually Your interactions, your touch points could be places of safety and healing and connection that could actually bring about radical transformation within the community. Just being that safe person, being a good person Mm. in the community, being a good villager, a competent villager within your church, within your community, but also beyond trauma. As a mom who also raises some children on the spectrum, I have to say that this stuff has been golden in working with my own children and my Mm -hmm. own parenting, my own triggers and looking beyond the behavior. And so if there's other people working with kids on the spectrum or other learning differences, this is also for you. And within the church, it's also important because I can tell you, my kids have been traumatized by people who wanted to care, that wanted to just pray away their behavior and in some very damaging ways. And my heart is for the church. My heart is to see these children find belonging. These parents also find belonging as they navigate it with their families. But also that churches truly be, go from being friendly to being safe and loving and healing communities for all children. I think Jesus would, he has already told us, let the children come to me and don't hinder them. And so I'm I'm just grateful, Tim, for the the leadership that you bring to our academy in all four learning streams. And as we prepare for this trauma care course, I thank you for facilitating this movement and allowing churches and camps and agencies and community members at large to be allowing the children to come and not for them to be hindered. Any last minute things that you would like to add on before we close today?
1: Yeah, oh, there's so many great thoughts when we have conversations like this, Wendy, and I, I so appreciate the ability to to chat through these things and and offer it to the community this kind of inside scoop on our conversations that we love to have and I find the personal transformation that happens for, so for those of us we're followers of Jesus and we say yeah I, I want transformation well Jesus invited us how that happens you know for those of us who want this connection with Jesus in a personal way he invited us he says it's it's however you have or haven't done it one of the unto one of the least of these you have or haven't done it unto me and and so that's the invitation I find. It's not just how do I do it in a trauma informed way, quote unquote, in this fancy, fancy way. It's just so practical. How do I make connection? Because the connection is simply not happening often, even if I think it is at first. The connection is just not happening. But how do I actually connect? James one twenty seven, that verse that so often gets repeated in the, in the context of talking about caring for vulnerable people or people in hard places, the orphan and the widow quoted in that verse. They were some of the most vulnerable people at that time, but Jesus is inviting to see the real living out of your religion, of, of your spirituality, is actually engaging with the least of these. It's so practical. It's so simple. It's not this fancy, you know, we can get really complicated. And how do we do this, you know, Christian thing, or what are on earth are those, are those Christians doing that? It's very practical. And I find it's just this invitation. You get to touch Jesus every single day that you find ways to make connection with people in that place where they are. And then, like, I like to look at it, walk with them from that place towards that place of felt safety, which is actually Jesus.
0: Thanks for sharing that. So there we go. October 6th, it's coming up soon. I want people to be marking their calendar, but registering now. Don't wait till October 6th because we want you to be registered and make sure you have a spot. You could register individually or as a whole team. We encourage you to check out careimpact.ca slash events. You can also look in the show notes. We'll include the link over there. And if people want to contact Tim, they can reach him at Tim, T-I-M, at careimpact.ca. And feel free to to reach out to Tim. Before we go, I want to have a quick lightning round. And so that means very short answers, just fun. Don't take it too serious. We're just going to give you a few questions and maybe like less than a sentence answer possibly. Are you ready for it?
1: Ready. Okay.
0: Okay. What do you hope Canada will look like in 50 years?
1: Wow, 50 years. I hope we can be communities that truly are pursuing connection amidst what will still be, you know, struggle and challenge, but the ability to be communities that pursue connection with each other, carrying the fact that that our histories are, are different and include many challenges, trauma like we talked about, but that are pursuing that connection and finding that relationship with self, God and others is the core to life and the core to, core to moving forward as a nation.
0: Excellent. You you sort of squeaked it into one sentence. That's that's impressive. <laughs> okay, next question. What's a recent book you have read that inspires you?
1: Ooh, well, it, I mean, it's hard to hard to beat the one I just mentioned. So I already stole my own thunder. But Kurt Thompson's book, *The Soul of Desire*, seeing neuroscience and Excellent. spirituality come together, and I'm I'm just blown away by how the whole scientific community that's studying trauma is actually going in that direction of incorporating spirituality and healing, whether it's a God and, and, and biblical-centered or not.
0: And what's one thing you hear the most from participants about taking the trauma care training?
1: Well, I've been so encouraged that they they have been affirming the, the quality of the trainers that are training them uh, and the experience that those trainers have. So that's that's one, but I'll give two parts to my long sentence. But the other the other half is has been this recurring, Wendy, all the time, is I wish I'd known this before, but now yes. I know better, I'm going to do better, in a sense. I, I'm giving a little little uh, license to that last phrasing of it. <laughs> the sense of I'm going to do differently now is what we keep hearing.
0: So Academy Director, if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Ooh, got me on the spot. I, I, this is one I love to think about with kids, but uh, to actually have to answer myself. I would like to be able to to be present, I think, because I, I just the power of presence is so huge to be present everywhere.
0: So like omnipresence,
1: I guess so. I guess so. But <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to handle it because I don't have the capacities in every other level. So
0: and finally, for our last questions, so a question that Melvina asks every single guest. And so I want to honor that. And it's a question that I would like to hear from you. In a very succinct answer, what does reconciliation mean to you?
1: Well, for me, if I'm very practical, which is, I think, the most important piece of reconciliation, it's that relationship with one person. And... Through them being able to understand myself more, understand our relationship and the context that we're living in, Canada and our history and all of that encapsulated in that relationship. And hopefully that relationship that I have, that that one person can impact all my other relationships.
0: Well, thank you. You did amazing, Tim. So good job. Give yourself a pat on the back. But I thank you so much for taking the time to share with us and our listeners more about trauma and the work you do with the Academy at Care Impact. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Wendy. It's so great having this conversation with you.
0: I want to thank our listeners for listening with us, the Journey with Care podcast. Uh, Again, October 6th, the the classes are starting. If you want to register or find out more information, it's at careimpact.ca slash events. And if you'd like to contact Tim, all the, the contact and links will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast, where paths connect over real-life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation, and loving our neighbor. Be sure to like, follow, and share. Special thanks to host Melvina Gabosch, art podcast engineer Johan Heinrichs, and donors who helped make this show possible. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage with child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or to learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or click the link in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.